me tell you, I just need to get it out. I got stuck in traffic like you can't believe. Now, I come from the north, and it was stopped. My GPS told me I was going to arrive at 751. And for about four exits, it kept telling me, turn around and go home. <laughs> turn around, turn around. And from the looks of us here tonight, there were several that turned around and went home. But you know what? It's Christmas shopping. A lot of people are involved in um, the week before Christmas, and I understand that. But I'm glad you made it. Give yourselves a hand. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Anyhow, I, I called Cindy, and I called Valerie, and I said, look, um, it's telling me to turn around. But, but God said, I'm going to make a way where there is no way. And so I hung in there, and I mean, I walked in an hour and 10 minutes after I left. It was brutal. And so anyway, here I am. And, and I just got to, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Today, my internet dropped, and I couldn't get it. So I couldn't download my message. I couldn't print my message. And then I couldn't get here. So I'm starting to wonder, is the devil not want me to share this tonight, because I came to talk about the name of Jesus, the power in the name of Jesus. So, Barbara, you were in that traffic. I mean, it was awful. Anyway, uh, good to see all of you, and uh, let's stand to pray, and then I want to just, this is a, a onesie, this is sort of a uh, Christmas message, and it's something we're going we're gonna to learn about the name of Jesus. We're going to study the Bible. That's what we do on Wednesday nights. Let me remind you that as soon as we're back in session on Wednesday nights after the holidays, I'm going to finish the series on the gifts of the Spirit in talking about motivational gifts, what makes you tick spiritually, how to discern what God put in you as far as a spiritual gift. And that'll be a couple of weeks. Then we're going to go into the book of Hebrews, and we're going to study Hebrews. We're going to learn what God had to say in Hebrews. How many of you like going through the Bible on Wednesday nights? Amen? So that's all coming in the new year, and it's going to be great stuff. So let's just pray tonight, and then we'll get into the name of Jesus. Lord, I just thank you that you're with us tonight, and even though the enemy has fought us and resisted us and pushed back against us, Lord, we're here. And Lord, we're going to deliver this word. We thank you that you've got something to tell us out of the word about the name of Jesus and why it is so hated and resisted in this world, but so loved by your people. And so, Lord, in Jesus' name, be with us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to understand. I pray that the great teacher of the church, the Holy Spirit of God, would be here with us right now. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and just say there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I, I typed all this out today so you could have it on the screen. And how many of you know you can get the messages online? Do you, do you know that? How many did not know that? Okay, now you know. You can go to the website and go to YouVersion as well. We're on YouVersion. And uh, you can go to the website and click on... There it is. They've got it up there. Sermon notes. And what I share with you is there. And you can print it. Now, I type it. I go through all the trouble to type it and kind of, because I don't have to type it all out. I can just teach it. But I want you to be able to follow along. But also, these messages go into 
jails and prisons. We've had Bible studies started with our notes from Wednesday night. Uh, prisoners getting a group together and going through what we taught here. We've had prisoners released from prison and come here and say it was your notes, it was your messages that carried me through my imprisonment. They were like a light in a dark place. So that's why we type them out like this. Amen? Now, I'm going to talk to you about the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, and how there's power in that name. And I want to give you some history on the name so that you can understand. How many of you realize there's no other name like Jesus? Amen? And so tonight, let's just look at Matthew 121. And here is the uh, angel of God speaking to Joseph and assuring him that the child his betrothed is carrying is actually the son of God. And he tells Joseph what to name the child. So let's read it. It says, she, Mary, this is the angel telling Joseph, will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Now notice, heaven told Joseph what to name the child. It wasn't just a good idea. It was a God idea. Why name him Jesus? Because he will save his people from their sins. Amen. Now the use of Bible names, especially in Old Testament times, carried a whole lot more significance than it does in our day. I didn't know that my name, Jeff or Jeffrey, meant peace of God or God's peace until years after I was saved. My, my mother never, you know, held me and said, Jeffrey, the name I, reason I named you Jeffrey, because it means God's peace. She didn't know it meant God's peace. But in the Bible times, they would name a child according to what they believed God was going to do with that child. So... People often use names to reveal something about the characteristics or the nature of individuals, and so did God. For instance, God changed the name of Abram, meaning high father, to Abraham, father of a multitude. And the name of Jacob, which was heel catcher, supplanter, really we would say today con man, con artist, to Israel, prince of God. So Jacob went from con man to prince of God. Amen? And even in the New Testament, Jesus changed the name, you remember this, of Simon, which means hearing, to Peter, a rock. And Peter was anything but a rock. I mean, he was as unstable as water until Jesus stabilized him. How many of you can say he stabilized me? Amen? Now, if human names were important, the names of God were much, much more important. One commentator wrote these words, to know the name of God is to understand the character of God. The name is a part of the person, an extension of the personality of God. So we see that in the Bible, what God did is he would reveal a name. He would attach a name to himself, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Rophi, compound name. And when he named himself that name, he was telling us something about his character. For instance, Jehovah Jireh. When he named himself Jehovah Jireh, he was letting us know, guess what, kids? I'm your provider. 
I'm your provider. Because Jireh means provider in the Hebrew. So Jehovah Jireh, my provider. How about Jehovah Shalom? God is saying, I'm your peace. Amen? How about Jehovah Rophi? I'm your healer. Amen? So when God named himself, it was the way he revealed another aspect of his character to us. In Scripture, God used names as a means of progressively revealing who he was. For example, in Exodus 6, 3, God said, And I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now, that's the patriarchs. By the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah, I was not known to them. So what is he saying? He's saying, I progressively, as Scripture advances, as you start at Genesis and read through the Bible, you will see God adding another compound name for us to learn more about him. And when he was dealing with the patriarchs, he was just known as God Almighty. They didn't even know that he was Jehovah yet. All right? So it was progressive, progressive revelation. Now, we know that Abraham did use the name Jehovah in Genesis twenty-two fourteen, 14, but God did not make known to him the full significance of this name in all of its redemptive aspect. So later, in Exodus 6, verse 3, God promises to reveal himself to his people in a brand new way. That means he began to associate his name with a new understanding of his character. As time passed, he revealed himself by some names I've already listed tonight, but let's just look at them. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees your need and provides. Amen. Aren't you glad he knows what you need before you even tell him what you need? And and then Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner. His banner over me is what? Love. And Jehovah Rophi, the Lord our healer. And that's only four of the eight compound names of God we find in the Bible. And we're going to look at those in a minute. But in addition to using names to reveal his character, God used his name to manifest his presence. I want us to catch tonight that when you speak the name of Jesus in faith, if you when you preach or just speak the name of Jesus in your house, say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Do you know that when you speak his name in faith, It releases his presence. His presence is attached to his name. Now, for instance, at the dedication of the temple, Solomon acknowledged that God was omnipresent everywhere at once and that no temple could contain him. That's crazy. You can't put God in a house. 1 Kings 8.27 says, Solomon speaking, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. So since God fills the universe, Solomon asked how the temple, a man-made structure, could possibly contain God. Then he answered his own question by reminding God of God's promise. When he said, my name shall be there. How is God in a place? My name shall be there. Everybody say, my name shall be there. Now, see, to me, every Christian ought to be able to say, his name shall be over my house. His name shall be over my business. His name shall be over me. 
And, and listen, Turning Point, I want Turning Point to be known for the name of Jesus. Amen? His name shall be here. No other name. Not my name, that's for sure. I'm nothing. Not Turning Point. But people, when they hear about and experience this church, I want them to know that the name of Jesus is here. The name of Jesus is preached here, lifted up here, ministered here, unpacked here, glorified here, worshipped here, known here. Amen? Although God's omnipresence could not be confined to the temple, yet the fullness of his character as represented by his name could dwell there. So Solomon went on to pray, O God, I pray that all people of the earth may know what everybody. Let me ask you as a Christian, do you want all the people of the earth to know his name? Oh, yes. Listen, I intend to do everything we can do. My prayer for 2020, which speaks of clarity of vision, perfect vision, I'm asking God for maximum impact. That We'll be able to take the name of Jesus, starting here, then throughout the city, then throughout the state and the nation, and then throughout the world. Because I'm praying with Solomon, Lord, I, I pray, let, let us help your name to be known all over the world. Amen? That all the people of the earth may know your name. So once again, this links the name of God to a revelation of his character. If you understand what his name means, you understand about God. We see that God told Pharaoh, and in very deed for this cause, have I raised you up to show in you, Pharaoh, my power, and that my name may de- be declared throughout all the earth. Amen. So the name of God represents four things. Let's say them together. His presence, his character, his power, and his authority. Let's try it again. His presence, his character, his power, and his authority. That's what the name of God represents. But Scripture expands even more on the importance God places upon his name. Here's some examples. God demands fear or reverential respect for his name. Amen? Deuteronomy 28, 58 to 59, God said, if you do not carefully follow, or Moses told the people on behalf of God, if you do not carefully follow all the words of this law, which are written in this book, and do not revere this glorious and awesome what, everyone? What does he say to do with God's name? Revere it. The Lord your God, the awesome name of the Lord your God. The Lord will send fearful plagues on you, woe, and on your descendants, harsh and prolonged disasters and severe and lingering illnesses. Oh, my Lord, how many of you are happy that we're not in the old covenant? But the truth still stands that we're to reverence his name. You know, we're in a, we live in a profane culture, do we not? I mean, words are spoken on just regular TV now that 30 years ago, if they had been spoken on TV, the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, would have been down on that network before they could have said, Jesus, help me, and would have shut them down for profanity. But now profanity is everywhere and, and it's so grieving, isn't it, to listen to it all the time, every, so the worst profanity. But the one that always makes me wince, and, and I know it does you, is when our God's name 
is taken in vain. And not just that curse word, and I'm not even going to give it initials, but when the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ. You know what that is? That's profaning the name of the Lord. And look what happened to people in the Old Testament when they did that. Whoa. So when I hear it, I wince. I wince because it grieves the Holy Ghost. I wince for their sakes who are saying it. Because the Bible says we're going to answer to him for every word we have spoken. And when you curse his name, oh my. Amen? Oh my. May God help us get a hold of our tongue. Amen? Listen to Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. God warns his people not to forget his name. Not just don't abuse it, but don't forget it. Psalms 44, verse 20. If we had forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a foreign God, would not God search this out? If we had forgotten the name. Listen, folks, one name we need to never forget. That's the name of Jesus. Amen? In all of its glory and all of its power and all of its preciousness. God pro- promised a blessing for those who even know his name. Listen to Psalms 91. Because he, the believer, has set his love upon me, God, Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high. Why, everybody? Read it with me. Because he has known my name. So there is a blessing on people for just knowing his name. There's even a blessing for those who think upon his name. Can you believe this? Malachi 3.16. Then those who fear the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and did what? Honored his name. So there is a blessing for those who think upon his name and honor his name. Now, the good news is that when the fullness of time came, God satisfied the longings of his people and fulfilled his word through his prophets by revealing himself in all of his power and glory through the name of who? Jesus. So when Jesus came, this was a major, the ultimate. As a matter of fact, when Jesus came, everybody, it's what the Bible was all about. The Old Testament looked forward to his coming. The Gospels celebrate his arrival. And the epistles look back on his arrival. And Revelations looks forward to his return again. But from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. It's not about anything else. The theme of the Bible is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? Amen. Now remember, God's name represents his presence, his character, his power, and his authority. So therefore, how important is the name of Jesus? Well, let's look at the name of Jesus. The word Jesus is from the Greek word Iesus. Can you say it with me? Iesus which in turn uh, comes from the Hebrew word Joshua. And Joshua means Jehovah is salvation. So the name of Jesus literally means Jehovah Savior, Jehovah our salvation, or Jehovah is salvation. 
And this is why the angel said, and she shall bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he shall, what everyone, save his people from their sins and sin's consequences. Amen? Although others have been named Joshua, I've known some Joshuas in my life. I gotta tell you, I've never known a Jesus, except my Jesus, but they're out there. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who actually lived up to that name. The name Jesus is the culmination, the sum total of all the Old Testament names of God. It's the highest, most exalted name ever revealed to mankind ever. The name of Jesus fulfills all the compound names of Jehovah. And here's what they all eight of them mean. Say it with me. He's my healer, my provider, my shepherd my banner, my peace, my sanctifier, my present help, and he's my righteousness. The eight compound names of God tell us that about God. But the name of Jesus encapsulates all eight of those in one. The name of Jesus is the name of God that he promised to reveal when he said through Isaiah, therefore my people shall know my name. Well, how do we know his name? We know his name now by Jesus. Amen. So Jesus is our savior and our salvation from sin and sin's consequences. But Peter in his Pentecost sermon declared there was much more to Jesus' name. He said that God has made Jesus both what everybody? Lord and Christ. Now, those are names. The name Christ, for instance, is very powerful. We call him the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is pronounced Christos in the Greek language, and it means anointed or anointed one. And according to Old Testament law, priests, kings, and prophets were supposed to be anointed for their particular offices. Now, the way we know anointing in the modern church is we'll listen to somebody preach or teach and we'll say, wow, they were really anointed. And, and what we mean by that is they were really under the, the, the touch of the Holy Spirit when they brought that word. Man, I just felt the power of God. And that's true. And that's, that's, a, a, that's an okay definition of anointing. But it also applies to, to somebody who is anointed by God to an office. All right? Anointed by God to a position. David had oil poured on his head by Samuel the prophet to be the next king over Israel. So he was anointed into a position, the position of king, all right? But prophets were anointed to prophesy in the prophetic office. And and so anointing also means to, to be set aside by God to fill an office, And that's another definition of the word anointing. And what we're learning here is that the Christ or the Messiah combined all three of these anointings in one. Jesus was a priest. Jesus was a king and is a king. And Jesus was a prophet and is a prophet. So Jesus, priest, king, and prophet. Never been a greater priest Never been a greater king, never been a greater prophet. Amen? 
And all wrapped up in one, Jesus was anointed to be all three. That's why Isaiah 61 verse 1, God speaking straight through Isaiah the prophet, actually Christ speaking through him, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And you remember when Jesus began his ministry, he went into his hometown and went into the synagogue. He had gone to all throughout his boyhood and he walked up to the lectern and he opened up the prophet Isaiah and he quoted this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And he was telling them the Messiah that you've been teaching about since I was a little boy, the Messiah that all the prophets talked about is standing here in front of you. And the Lord has anointed me, meaning has put me in the position of prophet, king, and priest. It's important to understand that the term Christ or Messiah, therefore, was a title rather than a proper name. Let me make this simple. Most of you here today refer to me as Pastor Jeff. Pastor is my title because it refers to the office that I hold. I'm a pastor. But Jeff is my name and refers to me as a person. Jesus is his name. Christ is the office he holds. You get it? So he's Jesus. That's who he is. That's the person, but he's Christ. That's the office that he holds. Amen. Jesus is his name and Christ is the office. So Jesus is the Christ, God's anointed king, priest, and prophet. Simon Peter first knew the Lord as Jesus, the person. But when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter was moved by the Holy Ghost and Peter said, you know what he said, you are the Christ the son of the living God. Now, what Peter was doing is he was experiencing a revelation. You're not just Jesus who who walks on the water and multiplies fishes and loaves, but you are, Lord, I now recognize by the Holy Ghost that you are the Christ. That's the office you hold. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're God's Messiah. You're the ones that I you're the one that Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the minor prophets, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, all of them prophesied about. You're the Christ, the the Christos, the anointed one. And Jesus said, "Hey, Simon Peter, blessed are you because flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. You would have never come up with that on your own IQ." But my Father in heaven showed you that. And we all need that revelation. How many of you have had the revelation? He's not just Jesus who walked around 21 centuries ago in the Middle East doing neat things. But we know he's Messiah, the Christ, and the soon coming king. Come on, everybody. Amen? And how do we know that? We know that by revelation of the Holy Spirit. Without that, we'd have never known. So Jesus is his name. And Christ is his office. And what blows me away, and a lot of people don't catch, is that three times in the New Testament, Jesus accepted the title of Christ. He didn't rebuke people for calling him Christ. It says, when Peter said it, you're the Christ, Jesus didn't rebuke him. When the high priest, after his arrest, asked him if he was the Christ, the son of the blessed, Jesus said, 
I am. Wow. And when the woman at the well said to him, I know Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I'm the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, as the New Testament church, we're to be identified by the name of Jesus Christ. We are called Christian, little Christ or Christ follower. Amen? Jesus said that if we held up his name, we would be hated among all men for his name's sake. Matthew 10, 22. The early church was persecuted, folks, exclusively for preaching the name of Jesus. Not religion, not Christianity, not a thought system, not just some new faith, but they preached Jesus, the name of Jesus. And that's what got them in trouble. The high priest and the Pharisees said to Peter and the disciples, did we not strictly command you not to teach what, everyone, in this name? That was the rub. That was the problem. We don't care what you preach. Just don't preach in that name. Why? Why not preach in that name? What was the big deal with the name? Because there's power in that name. That name convicts of sin. They had murdered the man carrying that name. Paul spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus among the Jews, and they attempted to kill him for it. The disciples are described in Acts 15, 26 as men who had risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They risked their lives for the name of Jesus. And they considered it a privilege to be counted worthy to suffer, what does it say? For his name. So think about it. There was and always has been an issue over the name. Because the name of Jesus carries the power the authority, the presence, and the character of God. Oh, man, there's such power in that name. I've often said, get in an elevator sometime, crowded elevator, and say, Buddha. And say, ah, yeah, 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 Buddha, cool. Say, Muhammad, oh, yeah. Say, in faith and in love with affection, Jesus. And watch it get real supernaturally quiet. Why? Because that name, folks, carries power in the spiritual world. And it, and it, and it sends repercussions in, in our world. When we say the name in faith, not as a curse word, but in faith, in power, with affection and love as a disciple of Jesus Christ, when we say it, that name carries power. Demons tremble at that name. Darkness flees at that name. It's like turning on a flashlight in a cave when you say that name. Amen? Amen. So the name of Jesus is, is really the issue. To those who love him, his name is wonderful. But to a godless, sinful, rebellious world, the name brings forth an angry and negative response. Now that brings me down to Christmas because it is Christmas time. Amen? So let me just tell you what was on my heart. This brings us to why the word Christmas has become an issue in our culture because it has. And if you don't know that it has, you need to pay attention because do you know that so far I've been to several department stores, done some Christmas shopping. I have not had one 
employee of any department store say to me, Merry Christmas. They've all done the happy holiday thing. And, and, and you say, well, big deal. So they're just saying, no, no, stop a minute. Why would they not say what has always been said through the centuries, Merry Christmas? Happy holidays, what does that mean? It's Christmas time again. And we're once again seeing that in all the many ways that people repress and suppress the name and the truth of Jesus Christ and the word of God, here we are again, and we're experiencing it everywhere. Uh, They tell us in stores, because I've asked, why don't you say Merry Christmas? And they say, well, we don't want anti-Christian people or non-Christian people to get offended. Now, that's that's what I've been told. We don't want non-Christians to be offended. Really? How many non-Christians are going to be offended if you say Merry Christmas? I don't know of any. I know a lot of people that are atheists. If I say Merry Christmas, they're going to say, well, they might not now. But there was a day they would have said, oh, yeah, Merry Christmas back at you. But it's a ridiculous notion that all this has to do with a desire to be inclusive of other religions And that's why we don't say Merry Christmas anymore. And I'm only using this as an example to show you that there is power in a name. And if the devil has his way, he will ixnay the name of Jesus everywhere he can. And we're in a culture that is is at rapid pace removing God from every vestige of our existence, of our society, of the public square, in politics, sports, everywhere. We're removing God and removing Christ And I don't know, I'm just going to kind of stand up here tonight and say, I'm not going to let it happen with me when it comes to Christmas. I'm going to belt out Merry Christmas everywhere I go. What about you? Come on, everybody. We all know the major department stores and businesses all over America have not received an overwhelming number of complaints from Jewish people, Muslims, or other religions that they were offended by the term Merry Christmas. No way. The removal of Merry Christmas has nothing to do with inclusiveness. I suggest to you it has a spiritual root. Using the words Merry Christmas has never hurt anybody's business, and it won't now. For me, there's no question that deep down, it is another attempt to remove the name, Christ, the Anointed One. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Christ must. Because when you say Christ must, I've got to think about him and what he did. It's the suppression of truth Paul talks about in Romans 1.18, where he says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress, and that means push down or stifle the truth by their wickedness. So what what Ungodly people want to do with God's truth. They want to suppress it, push it down, get it out of the way, hide it, cover it up, silence it, muzzle it. And that's happening in our culture in ways that I never would have believed if you had told me 40 years ago. The name of Christ in the word Christmas reminds us at least once a year in America what the real reason for the season is, that God sent Jesus to save us from our sins, that he is the Christ, the anointed king, prophet, and priest. 
Christmas time is a celebration of his birthday. Amen? Happy holidays. What's that? It's the celebration of Jesus' birthday. It's happy birthday, Jesus. When it's my birthday, you don't say to me, happy special day for you know who. You don't say, happy, happy day for what's his name, do you? You say, happy birthday, Jeff. Isn't it funny, we don't see these same department stores trying to rename the Jewish holiday Hanukkah, lest non-Jewish people are offended. I don't see them seeking to rename the Muslim observance of Ramadan, so non-Muslims are not offended. Only Christmas. If you take the name of Christ out of Christmas, you've gutted it of its entire meaning. Can I have an amen? If you take the name of Christ out of Christmas, you've gutted Christmas of its entire meaning. Christmas is a celebration of Christ's birth. Christmas holds the magic that it does because of the miraculous wonder God performed for us on that first Christmas morn. Children don't hang. Come on, everybody. Holiday stockings. Nor do people cut down holiday trees. We don't go holiday shopping. We don't sing holiday carols. We don't hang holiday lights. We don't lay our holiday decorations. We don't invite people over for a holiday dinner, nor do we open holiday presents. All of those things are Christmas things. Amen? We don't say to our kids, what would you like for the happy holidays? Do we? Come on, everybody. And Santa does not say, ho, 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 happy holidays. The classic movie, It's a Wonderful Life, would lose all of its punch if George Bailey at the end screamed with all of his might, happy holidays? No, what does he scream? I can tell you that sometime between my childhood and the present time, American cultural elites began an undeclared but real war against Christmas. Mark it down, it's real. So I rebel as a believer. I refuse to say the meaningless, empty, vacuous words, happy holidays. I stick with the name of Jesus because we've just spent nine pages of notes looking at how that name is powerful, how God himself named him, how heaven told Joseph what to call him. It's heaven's name for God's only begotten son. I'm not going to let a bunch of humbugs delete it from Christmas. Come on. And for those who hate his name, here's the deal. Here's news. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. The day is coming, hate to tell you, if you hate his name, I hope you'll grow to love his name. But if you hate his name, the day is coming that at the name of Jesus, every knee, your knee, my knee is going to bow. And every tongue, your tongue, my tongue, Hitler's tongue, every atheist tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ, Christos, is Lord. So I want to close tonight. With an exhortation, let's throw Christmas parties and sing Christmas carols. Let's hit back against the war on Christmas and wish everybody from the Atlantic to the Pacific a very Merry Christmas. Can we say Merry Christmas tonight? Amen. Let's stand together, can we?
Amen. Are you thankful for the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ? Can we lift our hands and so let's just say, Lord, thank you. Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you, Lord. You're Lord of lords, King of kings, the great high priest who sits in heaven now interceding for us, ever making intercession for us as our great high priest. And Lord, we thank you that you're the prophet of prophets, that you prophesied of things we're seeing come to pass right now. You are the king of all prophets and the king of all kings and the king and the, and, and the leader and, and top of all priests. And we praise you, Lord, for the place God gave you. And we submit to that place and we honor that place and we glorify your name in this house. May your name be over this house. May your name be over Turning Point Church. Your name be over our own homes. May your name be over all that we say and do. For we love the name and we worship the name and we extol the name and we glorify the name of Jesus Christ, Son of God. Let's worship a moment, Scott. Thank you, Lord. Here I am to worship. Here I am to something tonight about names. Amen. Amen. I tell you, don't ever forget the name of Jesus out of your lips, out of your mouth as a child of God has power. When we were in New York, I'll just give you a quick example. Just take a minute. We were eating at a a, a restaurant. You know, my voice carries. I was born to be heard. Even when I don't, Cindy says, you can't even whisper. But we were talking, and we were just minding our own. It was Frank and Eleanor Alfredo and me and Cindy, and we, we, were, we got to talking about the Lord. And, and at first, when we sat down, we were kind of chewing the fat with the ta- two tables next to us. They were getting, one of them got this Sunday that had to be this high. This thing was huge. And so we took a picture of it. It was just a work of art. So we're telling this lady, wow, wow, what an incredible son. So we're talking that way. But then, uh, as our conversation progressed, the Lord came up. And I started talking about something that had to do with, with Jesus and the church. And all of a sudden, we're aware. Everybody is eating like this. Looking at our table listening and all of a sudden folks I'm telling you there was a presence there and they 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 were listen if they had leaned any further in it would have been weird because they wanted to hear what we were saying about Christos Iesus the Lord and because there was a touch on that name and, and I just thought You know, everybody wants to know about the Lord. The devil will tell you, you better not say anything because nobody wants to hear it. Well, some people don't. 
But all they can do is say, I don't want to hear it. Well, you'll live, right? But many people in your world want to hear about God and Christ and what he's done for you. Many people do. So, so you say, well, I'm just not a preacher like you. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus is on your lips like he's on mine. And the same spirit that is on me when I talk about him is on you when you talk about him. And so don't ever be embarrassed about him. Just get out there and talk and just see if something doesn't settle around you. And you got the ear of that culture because they're dying to hear about the Lord. Amen? Yeah, amen. Well, this Sunday, I'm going to speak on what if Jesus had never been born? And yes, I'm pulling from It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey, you know, and he said, I wish I'd never been born when he was in all of his financial trouble. And Clarence, the angel, came and said, I'm going to give you your wish. You're going to see what things would be like if George Bailey had never been born. And it was terrible. Well, what if Jesus had never been born? It's going to be evangelistic. It's going to feed you. It's going to speak to you. Because I think a lot of people, and I close with this, are very unaware of the immense impact Jesus Christ has had on the world all through the centuries. And the good things we all enjoy that are a result of him, and we don't even know it. So don't miss Sunday. Amen? And I know you're doing shopping this week, and I'm going to pray a blessing on you, and I'm going to pray a, a, a spirit of restraint on your credit card. All right? Lord, we just thank you for your blessing tonight on the house of God and on the people of God. Thank you for those watching by streaming video. And, Lord, we just pray your presence in their living room with them right now where they are. Lord, I pray help us to bring somebody this Sunday who needs Jesus. Because, Lord, they're liable to get saved. And, Lord, bless us this week as we go. Give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And help us to keep your name sanctified and glorified and honored in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great week.